Hello, everyone. My name is Ivan E. Debery. And I'm Eric Borlaug. And welcome to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. Um, we are here today in, at Cloud City in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we are hearing the play, Welcome Home, by Andrea Lynn Green. Um, and before we begin, we like to ask our playwright a question. Uh, and that question is, what would the world be missing if it didn't have this play? Oh my goodness. Something easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's quite a question. I, I think that this play serves as a, a little bit of a reminder to people um, to, uh, to just think about everything that happens in our lives and everything that we do in a macro and micro level has a cause and effect and it trickles down throughout time. And I feel like this play is a reminder of that in a lot of ways. And uh, it's just a gentle reminder. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give away what we're about to hear. <laughs> but I guess that's my answer. Great. Lovely. Um, so from there, we would like to introduce you to our wonderful cast who are going to tell you what parts they're playing. Hi, my name is Bill Humans. I'll be playing Neil. I'm Tracy Sallows. I'm Grandma Susie. I'm Andrea Lynn Green, and I'll be playing Katie. I am Nick Ong, and I will be playing Mike. I'm Amy Van Nostrand, and I am playing Patty. I'm Julia Register, and I'm reading the stage directions and house. Great. And... To begin, I would like to welcome our musical guest for this evening, Kristen Stokes. Kristen, take the word. Yeah. 
Slightly adapted for the radio by Andrea Lynn Green. Co-directed by Chelsea Dramel and Andrea Lynn Green. Setting. November, a few days before Thanksgiving 2014. A small town in rural upstate New York. All action takes place in and around an old farmhouse. That's me. You see, the house, in this case, is a character too. Yes, I'll be guiding you through these few November days. I've held five generations of this family, and I show it. My walls are thin, and my floors creak. I have a flair for Irish kitsch. Some of my rooms are on a downhill slant, as my foundation has weakened, and I can no longer conceal my family's secrets as I once did. Act one, scene one. It is just before evening. You view me from my backside, just as pleasant as my front, I might add. <laughs> With a patchy, slightly wild piece of green at my heels, there is a small shed nearby and a red hen house in my periphery. You can see the rooms inside of me where there are hints of Irish Catholicism, a crucifix, the Virgin Mary, and Jesus' portrait, to name a few. If you don't mind, from here on out, I'll be an Iliast, referring to myself in the third person, much like the great Julius Caesar and Bob Dole. Ah, here, the action begins. Patty, a hardened, brutish woman wearing a crucifix necklace, walks heavily from the kitchen into the living room. Grandma Susie, hooked up to an oxygen tank, sits and stares at a blaring television set. Patty takes the remote and changes the channel to Jeopardy. Grandma Susie watches the television with a little more interest as Patty tidies up the living room. Who is President Dwight D. Eisenhower? A man walks into the backyard. He is jittery and restless. He looks to be in his sixties, skin and bone. He is missing a few teeth. He has a mustache, wears a baseball cap, dirty old jeans, and an open flannel shirt that looks worse for wear. He walks toward a window of the house, peering into the living room. Patty checks the time. She enters the kitchen, takes a wine glass and a large bottle of red wine back into the living room, and settles into the couch. She pours herself a glass of wine and begins to drink it quickly. The man paces. The chickens out back squawk nervously. Patty puts down her glass and rushes into the kitchen. She grabs a rifle that is hanging on a pair of deer antlers in the kitchen and exits the front door of the house. Hey! 
You chickies all right? Come on out, Mr. Fox. Where are you, you little shit? What is the Department of Veteran Affairs? Come out, come out. The man conceals himself around the far corner of the house, keeping as still as possible. Patty comes closer and closer, and in the semi-darkness stumbles on a fallen branch and barely catches her balance. She is already tipsy from the wine. Come out, come out. Come out of your foxhole, you little shit. I'm going to get you eventually. As Patty cocks the rifle, the atmosphere shifts. The man begins to tremble. Patty's words can be heard as a faint echo, but in a foreign tongue coming from all around, distorted and blending with the sounds of an unfamiliar nature. The man puts his hands to his ears. He squats to the ground, up against the house. After a moment, our atmosphere returns as Patty lets the rifle hang at her side, giving up for the night. She walks back into the house unsteadily. After a moment, the man recovers and slowly emerges from around the corner of the house, peering through the window again. Patty slumps onto the couch. <sighs> oh, had to check on the hands. I think that fox was trying to get at him again. That's a bad fox. It sure is. Can I have some of that? <laughs> sure, Ma. Just a little. Patty pours a little bit of red wine into a glass for Grandma Susie, then pulls a blanket around herself and stretches out on the couch, continually guzzling and refilling her wine glass. Mm, we're getting a very special visitor this week. Who? Your granddaughter. She's bringing her friend, too. Oh, good. That will be lovely. <laughs> we'll see. Patty drinks down a glass of wine and pours herself another. She takes a sip out of the new glass and rests her head on a pillow. After a moment, she falls asleep, snoring lightly. Outside, the man paces. The atmosphere shifts again, this time for Grandma Susie. You want to watch the game, Mickey? Go ahead. The Cardinals against the Red Sox. They're running the bases. The sounds of a bygone ball game echoes in our ears. Yes, Mickey. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Oh, why don't you go out and play ball with the boys? I'll get dinner ready. Headlights shine into the yard. The man ducks behind the shed. We hear the sound of car doors shutting. The man quietly runs off, away from the property and into the night. We hear a knock at the front door of the house. The television is now blasting a commercial. Mom? Mom? Mom! Grandma! Oh, jeez. It was unlocked. Katie and Mike enter through the front door. Here, give me your coat. I forgot people don't lock their doors up here. I like it. It's nice. Yeah. Welcome. The legendary family farmhouse, now real to you. Wait here, I'll be right back. Katie enters the living room. Mike, still in the kitchen, walks over to the large rifle held up on the wall by deer antlers. He stares at it. Hi, Grandma. How are you? Oh, hello, sweetheart. I'm Katie, Grandma. Katie, of course. You look as beautiful as ever. Thanks, Grandma. So do you. Oh, I suppose so, for an old lady. I'm excited for you to meet my boyfriend. His name is Michael, just like Grandpa. Oh, how nice. I look forward to meeting him. He's got excellent taste. Thanks, Grandma. Katie walks over to the couch and gives Patty a nudge. She notices the familiar near-empty wine bottle in front of her mother. Mom. Mm -hmm. Mom. What? Mom. Mm -hmm. What? 
Oh, you're here. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. Yep. Is um, Mike here? Yeah, he's in the kitchen waiting to meet you. Okay, okay. I just give me a minute. Patty goes to the bathroom in an attempt to fix herself. She does a quick brush of her teeth and tongue. Meanwhile, Katie eyes the wine bottle and glass. She takes them and puts them behind the couch, out of sight. Katie picks up the remote. Grandma, do you mind if I turn this down a bit? Oh, no, dear, go ahead. I don't care for that program anyway. Katie turns down the volume on the television and walks back into the kitchen. She was sleeping. Really? It's only 7.30. Yeah, she's tired, I guess. Work. She worked outside a lot today. With the animals? That's so cool. Patty enters the kitchen like a Bigfoot. She hasn't quite woken up physically yet. Her short hair is sticking up a little bit in the back. Her legs and back are stiff from falling asleep on the couch. Hello there, Mike. It's very nice to meet you, Mrs. O'Connor. Please call me Patty. Come on into the living room so you can meet Grandma Susie. Katie and Mike grab their bags and follow Patty through the house into the living room. Grandma, this is Mike. Oh, hello, Mike. My husband's name was Michael. Everyone called him Mickey. We called our first boy Michael, too, but neither of them was an Oriental. Ugh. Grandma. Oh, people say Asian now, Ma. Isn't that right, Katie? Jesus. Oh, they were Irish through and through. How did you end up with a name like Michael? Well, I grew up in Jersey, so... Oh, I guess you could call that shit luck. Ma. Grandma. Ma. Why don't I take you for a bathroom visit? It's about time you went. But I don't really have to go. I gone in a while, so you better go now. Let me check your oxygen. Patty takes out a small oxygen reader and puts it over Grandma Susie's index finger. You're good, Ma. I can take this thing off you for now. You're doing good, Ma. Yeah, that's right. Look at you go. Pick your feet up a little more. Good. They are inside as Patty shuts the door. Over the following lines between Mike and Katie, we hear some of the bathroom logistics, which are in such close quarters as the walls are so thin. Your grandma's funny. Yeah, she can be. She's changed a lot since I last saw her. She has dementia now. She seems pretty sharp to me. She couldn't remember my name. That's new. Katie nervously bites her nails. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I haven't been home in like two years. It's weird. You regret it already. No, I, it's important to see my grandma again, you know, and I wanted them to meet you, so can't avoid this forever. The bathroom door opens as Patty and Grandma Susie emerge. False alarm! False alarm! <laughs> <laughs> Patty helps Grandma Susie back into her chair. Mike and Katie sit together on the couch. Patty sees their hands touching. How long have you two been dating now? I told you, eight months. Right, right. So you, you two met in grad school, huh? Yeah, we got paired up to do a presentation in our psych class. And I was just in it for the humanities credit, but Mike, you were... Go oh, I, I'm actually a psych major. My parents are both psychologists. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I hope you don't spend the weekend psychoanalyzing us. <laughs> what is that saying? I, I love it. Uh, it's something like, um, the Irish is the one race of people where psychoanalysis can't do shit or something like that. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that, that's about right. I think it was Freud who said that. Yeah. Well, gosh, both your parents do that. Jeez, that's something. <laughs> you don't see much of that type around here. 
We tend to get through things on our own, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, and of course, a little God's help. Where'd the wine go? Well, that can be true to a certain extent, but you know, some people have very serious... Anyway, uh, I, I didn't want to work with Mike on the presentation. I wanted to work with my friend Jenny, but the teacher wouldn't let me switch partners. And so. now look what happened. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Professor Kitsakos. Well, we ended up making a great presentation. We got an A. I asked Katie out for coffee to celebrate, and I guess we figured out there was something there. Mm, that's nice. What kind of Asian are you? Oh, Ma. Um. I'm only curious. There are many different peoples of the Orient, as far as I know. Uh, peoples of Asia, excuse me. You're right. There are many different nationalities. My birth parents were... Uh, uh, well, hey, why, why don't we watch a movie? What movie would you guys like to watch? Um. I don't know. Uh, we could look through the VHSs. My favorite film is Gone with the Wind. Yes, Ma, it is. She watched that three times this week. I have? Mm. Oh, I guess I forgot. Mm. So any ideas? What movie should we watch tonight? Oh, I'd like Gone with the Wind. That's my favorite film. Burt Reynolds. I always forget the girl's name. What was it? Um, uh, Vivian uh, Lee, and I think it was Clark Gable. Oh, yes, that's right, sweetheart. Clark Gable and Vivian Lee. Oh, she was some actress. Yes, she was. You know what, Ma? I think it's a little past your bedtime. Is it? Yeah, let's get you ready for bed. Well, I, I thought we were going to watch Gone with the Wind. We've already watched it. Just ended, Ma. It did? Shows how much I know. Patty helps Grandma Susie up out of her chair, leading her to the bathroom again. Okay, Ma, here we go. Oh, okay, good. Almost there. All right. Patty shuts the bathroom door behind herself. How am I doing? You're doing great. Don't worry. I just want to be sure I make a good impression. You are. You're fine. You're great. Good. Katie sneaks him a little kiss. Why'd your mom interrupt me like that? Oh, yeah, that was weird. I don't, I think I know. I mean, it's fine. It shouldn't matter at all, really. What? My mom was just being paranoid. There's no reason grandma should, you know. Uh... Okay, now you have to tell me. <laughs> Hold on. Katie heads for the kitchen. We hear Patty's voice in the bathroom as Mike sits alone in the living room, unwillingly listening. Meanwhile, Katie is retrieving wine glasses from the cupboard. She hesitates before taking the second glass. I know you just went, but try again. We want to keep those bed sheets dry tonight. Move a little to the right. Okay, now, now sit. Go ahead. We hear Grandma Susie urinate into the toilet. Bingo. Okay. Here you go. Good job. The toilet flushes. Wash your hands. Here you go. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good job, Ma. Grandma Susie and Patty come out of the bathroom. Say goodnight to Mike, Ma. Good night, Michael. Katie comes back from the kitchen carrying two wine glasses. Oh, good night, Grandma. Good night, dear. I'm glad you're here. Me too. Patty guides Grandma Susie to her bedroom. Meanwhile, Katie retrieves the bottle of wine from behind the couch and pours it into the two wine glasses. Don't forget to say your prayers, Patty. Okay, Ma, I won't forget. You say yours, too. I like this house. There are magical bottles of wine placed around inconspicuously. <laughs> so, as you were saying, why... Hey, why don't... Do you want to watch a movie? Or I, I have cable here. Let's see what's on. Katie. I just... 
Ugh, I don't want this weekend to get weird. She's just old, you know? What's the big deal? What's the matter? It, I'm sure it doesn't really matter. Mom was just overreacting. Patty about... enters the living room. Oh, there it is. Pour me some, would you, Katie? Mom. What? Did you drink all this tonight? She holds up the large wine bottle, which is nearly empty. Well, Grandma had some, too. But I thought Grandma couldn't have alcohol with her medications. Well, she wanted it. You think I'm going to deny her that joy in life at 94? I think not. I'll pour it or hand it over. Katie hands it over. Patty looks around for her glass and then spots an old one from the night before. She pours the wine into it. What are your plans for tomorrow? We were thinking of playing tennis. At the high school. Mm. Then maybe heading off into town for lunch. Mm. I want to explore a little, see where Katie grew up. Oh, isn't that sweet? Uh, excuse me, is, is there a restroom upstairs? Or? Nope. That's the only one. They all awkwardly smile at this. Mike walks into the bathroom. There's a loaded silence between Katie and Patty. We can hear a faint tinkle from inside the bathroom. <laughs> you can take the bed down here next to Grandma this weekend. Mike sleeps upstairs. What? Mom, are you serious? I'm 25. Jeez. We've been together a while now, and it, it's not like we want to do anything here anyway. You are not married, and you know my rules. Don't you usually sleep in the room next to Grandma? Not this weekend. The toilet flushes. Oh, right, so you can hear if we try to sneak into each other's rooms in the middle of the night. I see. Don't give me that attitude. I know what kind of girl you are. Now, you will take the bed down here next to Grandma. And keep one ear open if she tries to get up. She has a little bell she rings when she needs something, so if you hear that, come get me right away. Sure, Mom. Whatever you say. Don't be such a brat. Mike emerges from the bathroom. So I'm upstairs? Oh. <laughs> you heard us. Yes, is that all right with you? Sure. He sits. It's so nice of you to have me here for Thanksgiving, Patty. Well, we are happy to have you here. I'm from the suburbs, so I don't oh, really care. Yeah? So this is different for you, huh? Yeah. The, the drive here was beautiful. So many farms. Yeah. We tend to like it. You've always worked on the farm? Yeah. Shrunk a lot over the years, though. Had to sell a good bit of acreage. I just maintain it and take care of the few animals we have left. I think it's great. But, yeah, I was born into farming. It was God's plan for me, I guess, you could say. <laughs> well, uh, I'm pooped. I am off to bed. You two going to stay up? Yeah, maybe we'll watch a movie. Okay. Good night. Good night. Patty exits up the staircase. Finally. Katie turns off the television and moves in to kiss Mike. They make out for a bit. It gets a little hot and heavy, but that quickly dissipates due to the awkward environment of the house. They pull apart. I can't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Not here, somehow. Tell me about it. She takes a tiny sip of her wine. Sorry my family is so Catholic. Don't be. It's kind of fascinating. Katie shoves Mike playfully. Well, your parents are friggin' Unitarian Universalists, so... <laughs> yeah, but you love it. I win. They wrestle a little, tickling each other very playfully. Hey, so you gonna tell me? Tell you what? Why your mom was so weird earlier when I was telling your grandma uh, that oh, I'm... Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, my mom, 
didn't want us to get onto a certain topic that concerns a war in your country of origin. You get the picture. It's just sensitive. She, she didn't want grandma to get upset, you know, her dementia. So I don't want you to be uncomfortable either. Honestly, it's just for grandma. Katie takes her toothbrush out of her bag and abruptly walks to the bathroom, leaving the door open, and begins to brush her teeth. Okay, I understand, I think. But what happened? Did someone die? A lot of young men from this area went over there and got killed, so it's sensitive for the older folks around here, you know? Okay. He drinks his wine. It's like, it's like a whole other state up here, so just be aware. We have to be careful on some subjects. This town, it's rural, it's depressed. Recruiters have a field day here. There were like five kids from my tiny high school class that couldn't wait to sign up and go to Iraq. Two of them never came back. It's all still a fresh wound around here, even the older wars, so that's it. Can we drop it now? Okay, we can drop it. I was just curious. Katie finishes brushing and returns to the living room. Let's try to have a nice time here. If we can. She kisses him. You sure you're okay up there? Katie, relax. I'm fine. It's fine. Okay. You know where I am. If you need me. Good night. Good night. Katie grabs her bags and reluctantly heads into the bedroom adjacent to Grandma Susie's room. Mike takes a little baggie into the bathroom and begins to brush his teeth. While brushing, he walks out into the living room and looks around at the strange house and its artifacts. He walks over to an oak table, which displays a folded flag in a glass case. He bends down to give it a closer look and drops, and a drop of toothpaste drips onto the display case. He nervously wipes it off. He walks back into the bathroom, finishing up. He returns to the living room and stands there for a moment, listening to the house as it snaps, hisses, and rattles. Mike turns off the living room light and heads to the staircase and is stopped by the eerie sound of coyotes howling far off in the distance. He listens, alone in the darkness, and then ascends the staircase. Act One, Scene Two. Late the next morning, Grandma Susie is perched in her chair, watching The Price is Right. Katie comes bounding out of her bedroom in cold-weather sport clothes with her racket in hand. Ooh, The Price is Right. Is this the Plinko game? I think so. Bob Barker. I do like him. It's Drew Carey now. Who? Drew Carey. He's the host now. <laughs> Never mind. Mike comes downstairs in sweatpants and a hoodie, carrying a racket and a container of tennis balls. Ready to go? Yep. We'll be back later, Grandma. All right. See you soon. Katie and Mike exit through the front door of the drive house. Drive safe, you two. We hear the car door shut and the car drive out of the driveway. Patty comes into the house from working the farm. She opens the refrigerator to retrieve a pre-packaged lunch, which includes a turkey sandwich, a side of fruit, and a corn muffin. She brings the food and a glass of water out on a tray into the living room and places it in front of Grandma Susie. Here's your lunch, Ma. Oh, thank you. This looks great. I'm going back out to work on the hen house. Be back in a little while. All right. Patty exits. Grandma Susie begins to eat her sandwich. She watches the television. 23000 A contestant is heard on the television shouting, $37,500! <laughs> Loud cheering of the studio audience is heard. No, that is far too much, young man. It's going to be a bust. From the television, we hear the sound of The Price is Right going to commercial break. Grandma Susie sighs. She eats more of her lunch. 
The man can be seen walking through the backyard. He enters the house through the back door. He wanders into the kitchen, taking food into his pockets and looking around furtively. He has a slight tremor. He walks into the living room to see Grandma Susie, who has now forgotten about the food in front of her. Hello there. Are you here with my Meals on Wheels? No, Ma. It's me, Neil. Neil? I'm sorry, dear. I, I hardly recognized you. My, my eyes are Fine, not... Fine, Ma. To... Good to see you and all that. Well, how have you been, dear? I'm doing great. Really great. Uh, getting some of my old stuff out of the shed, that's all. I need to sell some of my tools. <clears throat> Just, uh... Wanted to drop in and say hello while I was here. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Could you, uh, could I get a loan and just, uh, help with my rent? Oh, of course. Let me just find my checkbook. Uh, just tell me where you, where you put your purse. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get it for you. Oh, it's over there by the bureau. Neil rushes over and grabs the purse, rifles through it, pockets the loose cash, finds the checkbook, and brings it over to Grandma Susie. He hands her a pen from the coffee table. How much will you need? How much can you spare? As much as I can for my boy. You got $500? Certainly, whatever you need. She writes the check, breaks it off, and hands it to Neil. Thanks, Ma. I'll pay you back as soon as I can. Of course, dear. You'll pay me back when you can. Do you know who else stopped by? Your brother, Michael. No, he didn't, Ma. Oh, yes, he did. He's staying with us for Thanksgiving. You should, too, you know. We'll have plenty of food. Michael is dead, Ma. No. Yes, Ma. Blown to bits. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Ma. Your golden boy ain't around no more. You got me now and that bitch Patty. Happy Thanksgiving. Neil pockets the check and exits through the back door. Meanwhile, Grandma Susie has shut down. She stares blankly at the television. The Price is Right is back on, and we are in the final moments of the program. We hear that young man who guessed $37,500 was above the actual retail price and lost his showcase. What a shame. He had all the best prizes, too. All right, folks. Please don't forget to get your pets spayed or neutered. neutered. It's very important. very important. See you next time on The Price is Right. Bye-bye. Patty enters the house through the front door and begins taking off her work clothes and hanging them up in the entryway of the kitchen. Ma, you doing all right? How's your lunch? I'm well. Lunch was very good. I'm glad you liked it. How are the repairs coming for the hen house? Almost done. Good. Your brother Neil stopped by for a visit. What? Neil stopped by. He's doing well. Ma, Neil hasn't been around here for years. There's no way he just stopped by for a visit. I'm sorry. Well, he was just here. Ma, Neil knows he's not allowed at the house. We have a restraining order against him. He wasn't here. I, I suppose so. Yes. Perhaps I'm losing my mind. <laughs> why, why, why isn't Neil allowed here? You know why. No, I, I don't. Yes, you do. Okay. Don't, don't worry about it, okay? You want to watch Gone with the Wind? Well, what happened with Neil? You, you tell me what happened with my boy. I love Lucy's on, you know. You're missing it. Let's I put should it on. be told if something oh, happened. Nothing, nothing happened. He's fine. I was thinking of someone else. Oh, good, then. Don't worry me like that again. I, I won't. Oh, I'm sorry. 
You'd better invite him for Thanksgiving. He's your little brother. He should feel welcome at home. I can't do that, Ma. Grandma Susie crosses her arms and turns her head away from Patty. Uh, see, this is what I didn't want. Don't get mad at me now. I am doing everything I can here. Jesus. I raised good boys. Sure, you did. And even if they did make mistakes, that's how it goes. Boys will be boys. Yeah. I would never throw my own child out of his home. It must have been you. You would do that, not me. I'm, I'm, I'm a good mother. Yes, yes, you were a very good mother. Y you tell him I said he doesn't need to sell his tools. His mother will always help him. What? What tools? His tools in, in the shed. Gee, you've got a funny memory, Ma. Even I forgot his stuff was in there. Uh, I'll have the tools sent over to him. Well, maybe Michael can take them over to him. Yeah, sure, I'll see if Michael can do it. I'm sure he'd be happy to see his brother. Yeah, I'm sure he would be. <laughs> you don't need to worry about Neil, Ma. He's doing fine. Last I heard, he had himself all set up down in Troy. He's staying out of trouble. The money he won from those scratch-off tickets should last him a good while yet. Oh, that's right. He doesn't need your help. And there's really no reason Neil would come all the way over here, no, okay? Not after what happened last time. What do you mean? Uh, nothing. Ah, Ma, I'm, I'm just saying he wasn't here. You were confused. It's, and it's okay to be confused sometimes. Let me, let me check your oxygen again. Patty takes out the tester and puts it over Grandma Susie's index finger. The number lights up. Hmm. Your levels are fine. Well, good. You all done with lunch? Looks like you could have a few more bites. Eat up. Patty enters the kitchen and washes a few dishes. Meanwhile, Grandma Susie takes a bite of her sandwich. After a moment, Grandma Susie notices her purse sitting on the floor next to her. She picks it up, looks at it, and puts it down again. She is confused. She continues to stare at the television. Act One, Scene Three. Later that day, Mike and Katie come in through the front door. Hey. How was tennis? It was great. She kicked my butt. You let me. I didn't. Where did you get lunch? Maggie's Kitchen. Mm, that's nice. Katie, I'm going to need your help getting the rest of the groceries for Thanksgiving. I, I, I need you to come with me. We just got back. Oh, well, sorry, but I'd like some help. Fine, just let us get changed into something else. Uh, actually, if Mike would stay here with Grandma and keep an eye on her, that would be great. Otherwise, I have to get a sitter last minute. Uh, that, that's just, no problem. Uh, I can stay. Uh, thank you, really. It's just up the road. We shouldn't be long at all. Uh, happy to help. Just just keep the TV on for her. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she should be no trouble. But if, if you need to get a hold of us, be sure and use the house phone. We have real shoddy cell reception here. All the emergency numbers are over Shouldn't by the phone, too. should they stay here with Grandma? I feel like that's a lot to ask no, of Mike. No, no, it's, it's totally fine. I do this a lot with my Grandpa. You two go ahead. Thanks, Mike. Okay, let's get going. You you need to change first? Ugh, no, let's just go. All right. Mike, we'll, we'll be back before you know it. Okay, don't worry. Thank you. See you soon. Patty grabs her keys and exits through the front door. Bye. Katie exits. Mike makes his way into the living room and sits on the couch, settling in with Grandma Susie, who sits in her easy chair watching television. We hear the car pull away from the driveway. What are you watching? I don't know, but it isn't very good. <laughs> Would you like me to turn it off? Go ahead. Mike turns off the television. They sit together in silence. I'm sorry, but what is your name again, dear? My name's Mike. Michael. 
My firstborn was named Michael. Will I get to meet him at Thanksgiving? Oh, that would be nice. Did you have other kids besides Patty and Michael? Five altogether, but they're all scattered about. Patty's the closest. She takes care of me. I'm very lucky to have a daughter like her. I'm sure she likes your company. Well, I don't think I'm very good company. I'm just an old lady. <laughs> That's not true. You're a very interesting person. Oh, aren't you a sweetheart? Would you like to play a game? Cards? Are there any board games you like? Oh, boy. I suppose that could be fun. Well, do you know where the games are? Uh, they might be in that closet over there. I'll go look. Mike goes over to the closet and rifles through some things until he finds the board games. He pulls out, go to the head of the class, life, and checkers. How about life? Sounds good to me. Mike begins to set up the game on the coffee table. Great. Well, let's move you a little closer to the table, and I'll grab a chair and play from this side. All right. What color card do you want? What colors are there? There's red, yellow, green, blue, orange, and white. The blue one. Okay. And you get a pink person driving it. I'll take the red car and put a blue guy in the front seat. Okay, here are the house deed cards, salary cards, and career cards. So let's see. We, we spin to see who goes first. Here, spin the wheel. Grandma Susie spins the wheel. It is a little difficult for her. Nine. Now I spin. Five. Well, you get to go first. What's the goal of this game? Um... <laughs> Well, the, the goal is to live a really good life while making as much money as you can. The person who has the most money at the end wins. Oh, I really don't agree with that. <laughs> it is kind of a bad message, isn't it? Yes. That's okay, though. It's only a game. Well, good. Let's give it a try. Uh, I'll be the banker. Let's see. Each player starts with $10,000. So here's your 10, and here's mine. We start our game pieces down here. Do you want to go to college or start a career right away? I'll start a career. <laughs> okay. Well, just so you know, if you go to college, you have to take out a loan and you get a slower start. But it means you have more options later when it's time to get your salary and career cards. I don't have much time to spare on college, dear. Have you seen my oxygen tank? <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Career it is. What did you do in real life? I was a stenographer for a time. Yeah? Well, what was that like? It was a good paycheck. We had five kids to feed. My husband was a school teacher. Once he began teaching at the high school, we were able to hire a few extra hands to help out on the farm. It was his dream to teach, but he didn't want to lose his family's farm. Mickey taught French, Latin, German, and Spanish. Wow, impressive. He was a wonderful man. He was a very smart man, too. He went to college. I didn't. I was already smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get all that money? Uh, I'm the banker, remember? Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, here, pick a career card. If you pull a card that says degree required, though, you'll have to put it back. Okay. What does it say? Teacher. Ooh, you need a degree for that. That's right. My husband went to college to become a teacher. He taught French, Latin, German, and Spanish. He was a very smart man. Sounds like he was.
Here, put that one back and pull out another one. What does this one say? Superstar. Superstar. You're a superstar. I'm a superstar. <laughs> well, you don't need a degree for that. What kind of superstar are you? I don't know. Are you a, a singer, a dancer, or a movie star? Oh, I, I'm a dancer and a movie star. I dance in the movies. Wow. <laughs> I really did dance, you know. Really? Yes. I was supposed to go to New York. A scout came around to the school and liked my tap dancing. He picked me out of all the girls, but my mother didn't want me to go. Then I met Mickey. He was a real keeper, so I stayed here and forgot about dancing. That's too bad. No. It all turned out as it was meant to. I ended up with a wonderful family. Yes, you did. I'm glad you stayed. But for the purposes of this game, you are officially a tap-dancing movie star. Well, better late than never. <laughs> well, now it's time to get your salary card. Pick a card from here. What does it say? 50,000. Well, that's pretty good. Okay, my turn. I think I'll go to college, so I'm going to take a loan from the bank. Okay, now I spin. Ooh, seven. Spring break. Pay $5,000. Guess I had way too much fun on spring break. <laughs> okay, your turn. Ten. Good spin. Get married. You get to get married. Oh, one husband was enough, thank you. <laughs> well, and you get a life card. Here, take this. Don't look at it until the end. There are little prizes that we add up later. Let me let me find a husband to put in your car. We'll call him Mickey. He puts a blue peg into her blue car. That's right. Is it your turn now? No, you get to spin again because you got married. Okay. Ten again. What's that say? Visit in-laws. Well, you get a life card. I'd better get a life card. Have you met my in-laws? <laughs> You're pretty funny, you know that? I do. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. Here, you get two paydays. That's $100,000. My turn. Nine. Finally, I get to choose my career. Okay. I could be an accountant, a doctor, or an athlete. Hmm. Doctor. Good choice. Now I need a salary card too. Let's see. 90,000, 20,000, or 40,000. I'll choose 90,000. <laughs> okay. Now I spin again. Three. Win the lottery, collect $50,000, woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> and I get a payday, hey, I can pay off those student loans, that's good. All right, your turn. My son Neil won the lottery too. Really? Yes, he's doing quite well for himself. Patty keeps me updated on everyone. It, it, it's my turn, right? Four. Baby boy. Oh, you get your first baby. He gets a blue peg and puts it into Grandma Susie's blue oh, car. And you get another life card. I'm having a baby? <laughs> yes. Well, praise the Lord, a miracle has occurred. <laughs> praise the Lord. I like this game. Yeah, me too. My firstborn was a boy. We named him Michael after his father and St. Michael. My name is Michael too. Is it? It's a great name. Do you know what it means? Sort of. 
Saint Michael is the leader of the army of God against the powers of hell. He is a spiritual warrior. He fought the devil in a great battle. That's very interesting. He is also the angel of death, and he carries the souls of the dead into heaven. He gives the dying a chance to redeem themselves, spoiling the devil's plans. I didn't know that. You are in good company with that name. I sure am. My two other boys are George and Neil. George lives out west near Nora, my youngest girl. Neil and Michael are my Irish twins, 11 months apart. Thick as thieves they were. Michael was always Neil's compass, kept him out of trouble. Neil comes to visit me once in a while. Michael does too. Someday I would love to have us all together again. Do you know if they're coming for Thanksgiving? Uh, I, I don't know. If they are, I haven't been told. I'd love to meet them, though. Oh, you boys would have a ball. You could go out and play catch in the yard. Uh, that would be fun. But you should let Patty play, too, or she'll get sour. She loves to play sports. She's quite an athlete, you know. Funny little girl. But, you know, she'll, she'll grow out of all that. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Her brothers pick on her bad, especially Neil. Neil, there was something I can't recall here. Uh, Neil's the one who won the lottery, right? Yes, that, that's right. But there was something else, something he had some troubles. He came back home to live for a time and, oh, I, I can't remember. I'm sorry, dear. Uh, don't be sorry. I wish I could help you remember. Yes, I, I can't seem to remember. That's okay. Is it your turn? I believe it is. Let's see. Six. <laughs> get married. Well, I get a lifeguard. Oh, who are you marrying? I don't know. What would you think if I said Katie? Well, who's Katie? Uh, your granddaughter, Katie. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Some things I don't remember well, like names. <laughs> How embarrassing. You did pretty well with all your children's names. Grandchildren can be harder to keep straight. Well, I have a good excuse. I'm 94. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good excuse. You're excused. Thank you. Whose turn is it? Yours. Okay. Five. Vote. I'm a Democrat. I voted for Obama. Our first black president, <laughs> he went to Harvard Law School, you know. I voted for him, too. I'm glad. I do hope he keeps his promises. There are so many people counting on that. I didn't know you had such a political mind. I've seen enough in my time that I'd better be. Mickey always threw a fit whenever election time rolled around. He was a Republican. We'd fight like the Dickens. Gee, cripes, he'd say. <laughs> People here tend to wave a red flag. I don't. Mine's blue. Tastefully so. <laughs> no one is always right, though. No. No. It's all wrong. Your turn. 
The front door opens. Patty and Katie enter the house carrying grocery bags. They are tense, and they put the groceries away. As the scene in the kitchen unfolds, Grandma Susie and Mike continue playing their game, but are not heard. Drop that nasty attitude. I don't want to hear it. Katie stomps around the kitchen, putting away groceries as if she were the Hulk. <sighs> Gee, Katie, I'm awful sorry I wanted some alone time with my daughter, whom I haven't seen in over two years. You could spare me this nasty You ass. just wanted to parade me around the grocery store as your little sheep returning to the fold. You embarrassed me. I did not come back here to grovel, okay? Then why did you come back? I don't know. I guess I like to think everyone deserves a second chance. Even you. What? Nothing. What did you say? Katie walks out of the kitchen and into the living room. Patty follows her ferociously. They stop abruptly at the sight of Mike and Grandma Susie playing a board game. Trade salary card with any player. Well, how much do you make? $90,000. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't pull any punches. That's right. <laughs> Hey, how'd the food shopping go? We got what we needed. Good. Uh, what are you doing? Playing a game. What game is it, Ma? I... 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 I can't seem to remember the name of it. Well, how about we turn on a soap opera for you, huh, Ma? Uh, you like those. Mike, I, I... I know you think you're doing something nice, but it's... Better if you don't. She'll just get frustrated. We were actually having a really nice conversation. I don't think... Yeah, I gotta <laughs> give her dinner now, so could you just get all the stuff out of the way? Patty turns on the television, turning the volume up. She gives Katie a stern look and heads back into the kitchen, where she continues to put away the groceries. Sorry, Susie. I guess we'll have to finish this game another time. Oh, I look forward to it. Hello, Katie. Mike smiles to himself. He picks up the game and restores the living room to its previous state. Did you have fun with Mike? I sure did. He's a very nice young man. He is, isn't he? I'm sorry my mom was rude to you. Why wouldn't she want someone to engage with her? Who knows? I guess it's just easier. Easier not to? I don't know. It makes you wonder. Yeah. What are you two saying? Uh, just talking about Thanksgiving. It's right around the corner. Oh, good. That will be nice. Katie, come out here and help me with this. I'll come with you. Mike and Katie walk into the kitchen. What we need to prep tonight is the cranberry sauce, the gravy and dressings, and the sweet potato casserole, the mashed potatoes, the deviled eggs, and the stuffing, and, and, and we can prep the veggies to be sautéed tomorrow. I, I bought the pies. Uh, biscuits and cornbread and turkey will all be done to... Oh, God, it's only going to be the four of us. We don't need to go nuts, do we? No way. It'll be great. No stress. Yeah, no worries, Mom. Okay, great. So, who wants to do what? Uh, I'll take the deviled eggs and dressings. I can do good mashed potatoes and prep the veggies. Uh, well, I'll, I'll do the rest, then. And, and you can help me when I need it. Yes, Captain. Okay, then. <laughs> go team. They begin fumbling around the kitchen, prepping their stations. Oh, oh, oh shoot. I, I need to get Grandma into the bathroom. I hope she didn't wet herself. How you doing, Ma? I'm well. How are you? Great. Time to go to the bathroom. All right. Patty helps Grandma Susie into the bathroom. Meanwhile, Katie and Mike continue their work in the kitchen. Just the four of us, huh? Yeah. It's always a small Thanksgiving with my family. No big reunions. 
Do you usually have a lot of people at Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's always huge at my house. It gets kind of crazy. My parents invite everyone. I hope you don't mind something small this year. Are you kidding? I think it's great. And don't expect the food to be flavorful. Hmm. Okay, and why is that? You know I can't cook, right? Well... Well, that's a tradition of the heart, passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> a source of O'Connor pride. Awesome. Can't wait. Hey, what's the story with your Uncle Neil? Why? Did Grandma say something to you? Sort of. She seemed really bothered about him. You made me curious. Jesus. What? Katie sticks her hand out of the kitchen, checking if Patty and Grandma Susie are in earshot. They are not. Okay, so my Uncle Neil came back to live here while I was away at school. I guess he was having trouble keeping his apartment in Troy. I don't know. He started working at Stewart's in town, and I guess he got fired. He, he got arrested a few times for some drug bullshit and petty theft. Mom told me he was really losing it, like getting really nasty to her and Grandma, even threatened to burn down the house with them inside. So Mom got a restraining order. Shit. Yeah, but that was years ago. There's been nothing since, I mean, that I know of. I think it was meth or crack that he got into. I haven't seen him since I was a kid. I know he won the lottery a while ago. Not sure that did him any good, though. Fuck. Yeah, and you wonder why I don't talk about my family. Hey, everyone's got that one, Uncle. <laughs> I guess. I'm so jealous of you sometimes. Why? I don't know. You... I mean, look at your family life. Your parents are together. They even seem happy. They have their own lives and interesting jobs, and they're actually affectionate and warm and... I don't know, it's like this whole family vibe that seems so foreign to me. I'm a little envious of that. Would you have rather been adopted? I... I mean, I didn't mean to say... Uh, no. Jeez. I wasn't even thinking about that. I mean, honestly, I, I... I used to wish that, yes. I had this fantasy that I would be taken out of my family and placed into, well... Something like yours. I'm sorry. I know that's kind of messed up to say that to no, you. No, no, it's... I understand. It's... it's family. <laughs> I think most people have that fantasy at some point in their lives. For me, it's... we have a different set of circumstances. I was lucky. I know that. Who knows what kind of life I would have I lived if I hadn't been adopted. But I'll never know my birth family like you do. And even though yours may be a little messed up, it's a gift to know them. I mean, I'll never know my real grandma, like you know yours. I'll never know if I got my sense of humor from her, or my eyes from my dad, or my little nervous tics from my mom. I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. It's okay. I just want you to know what you have. I do. I know. Something wrong? No, no, nothing's wrong. You've... Why are you so perfect? <laughs> uh, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. To me, you are. I just hope being around all this doesn't scare you away from me. <laughs> scare me away? No. This is what I needed. I feel 
so much closer to you. You're finally letting me in. It's probably an Irish Catholic thing. Too many suppressed feelings and watery overcooked potatoes. Maybe I should just channel that into a limerick and sing it later when we're all drunk. She does a goofy Irish jig. <laughs> yes, please sing a limerick later. Mike puts his arm around Katie. Patty enters abruptly. Oh, all right, break it up, you two. Get cooking. They separate and go back to their stations. Sorry about that. I had to do a major cleanup with Grandma. Ew, Mom. Well, it's the truth. Don't worry, I wash my hands good. Mom, ew. Uh, can we put on some music? Oh, yeah, that's a fun idea. Patty retrieves a small radio and plugs it into the wall. Music from the 60s and 70s is playing on the station. The mood in the kitchen shifts with the funky music. As they all three continue to cook, the energy between them softens. Meanwhile, Grandma Susie is left alone, sitting in her chair. The local news has been on. She turns it up. A female news anchor is heard through the television. Black Friday shoppers are going to find some extra special deals this year. Stay tuned to find out which sales near you will be worth getting into the frenzy. <laughs> That's consumerism for you, right, Mickey? I'm glad we don't partake in that nonsense. We've got everything we need right here, don't we, darling? Listen to them in there. Our children, happy as the day is long. Act 1, Scene 4. Later that evening, around 9.45 p.m., the living room erupts with boisterous conversation and laughter. Smells of the prepped Thanksgiving food waft around us. Katie and Mike sit on the couch together, Grandma Susie on her easy chair, and Patty on another couch. There are open wine, whiskey, and beer bottles about the room. Mom, don't tell that story, please. Oh, come on, it's funny. Tell it. Can I tell it? Fine. <laughs> when Katie was in fourth grade, she was just the sweetest and cutest little girl, okay? So she comes home from school, and I ask her what her day was like. She says to me, in the sweetest, most innocent way, well, Mommy, today was a very good day, because now I'm pretty sure that Sean likes me. And Phil, and Greg, and Dan, too. And I know Joey likes me a lot. <laughs> I broke up with Nick, but I don't know which boy to choose, really. They're all nice to me. <laughs> I think for now I will make Greg my boyfriend. <laughs> it was the funniest thing you tell me, Mike. Is she the same little girl she was in fourth grade? <laughs> if she is, I'd start worrying. Mom. <laughs> well, it's true all the boys do like her still, but... For the moment, she's picked me. You guys, I'm right here. Well, perhaps she wanted to spice up her track record with someone like you. <laughs> Mom, jeez, what the hell? I'm sorry, was that offensive? Yeah, and not even true. Greg was Korean. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Greg? <laughs> oh, he was a boy I rode the bus to school with. Well, I like Mike better. Me too, Grandma. Me too. Well, I guess you have a type then, huh, Katie? You mean handsome and brilliant and kind? Sure. That's exactly what I mean. She winks at Mike as if he's in on the joke. Mike is very generous. <laughs> you want more wine, Katie? Another beer, Mike? No, thanks. I got enough. Yeah, I'll take another. I'll get it, though. What about me? Oh, you're so quiet. I almost forgot you, Ma. Here, Grandma, you can have some of mine. 
Patty and Mike walk into the kitchen together. During this scene, we can see Mike and Patty in the kitchen getting new drinks, chatting, and warmer from the alcohol. In the living room, Grandma Susie drinks down her wine. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to hear it. Where's Mickey? Mickey? Yes. You mean Grandpa? Grandpa. Mom? What? Can you come out here, please? Patty stomps into the living room. What is it? She's asking where Grandpa is. Oh, I, I usually just remind her that he's gone. She takes it pretty well. Jeez. Okay. Patty walks back into the kitchen. Um, Mickey's at the store. Oh, that's right. At Yushak's. He's got to pick up the roast beef for tonight. Where are all the boys? The boys? Your brothers. I don't have... Um, let's see. George is away at school. Neil is out with some friends. And uh, Michael is still overseas. Oh, yes. That's why it's been so quiet here. And your sister, where's Nora? She's, uh, she's at cheer practice. Well, at least I've got you, Patty. Why don't you go and clean up your brother's rooms? Clean them up for them. Um, okay. Patty and Mike walk back into the living room. I love farm animals. I'd love to go out and, and help you do some chores while I'm here. <laughs> I like you more and more. Nora, how was cheer practice? I'm not Nora, I'm, uh, I'm Patty. No. Yes, and this is Mike. Michael? They've changed him. They've changed him into one of their own. I don't believe it. What have you done with my son? Uh, maybe we should cut out the wine for her. Ma, Ma, this is Katie's boyfriend from college. I'm your daughter, Patty, and this is my daughter, Katie. Your, your granddaughter. I see. I think I'm a bit tired. I apologize. I'm not myself at the moment. Well, it seems like no one is themselves at the moment. It's okay, Ma. Let's get you ready for bed. It's past your bedtime. Well, all right, then. Patty helps Grandma Susie out of her chair and gives her the walker to use. Here we go. Oh, okay, get a little pep in your step, Ma. There you go. We're off to the races. Patty guides Grandma Susie into the bathroom and closes the door. That was my fault. How could that be your fault? I told her Mickey was just at the store. Then I had to keep lying to make the first lie true. I confused her. Katie, it's okay. I've never seen her like that before. Your uncle fought in Vietnam, didn't he? Yeah. He died there. Right. I, I saw the flag. Wait, which uncle died? Michael did. Oh, I see. Michael. Yeah, she was confused. I, I see what you mean now about getting her upset. Why couldn't you just tell me that yesterday? I don't know. I don't know. I, w I was just trying to make things easier. Maybe I, I thought I was protecting you somehow. It's stupid, I guess. I just... We don't... We don't talk about this stuff in my family. Don't worry about me, okay? 
You don't have to protect me from anything. I never met him. Just pictures. He was handsome. Your grandma talks about him like he's still alive. Do you know what happened? No. I don't know anything. She had other children, right? Five altogether? The toilet flushes. Did she tell you that? Yeah, earlier, when we were playing life. Hmm. Yeah, I've got an uncle, um, an Aunt Nora, Uncle George, and Uncle Neil. I told you about Neil. I never see him anymore. All I know is that he and my Uncle Michael were real close. And when Michael died, it really messed him up. It messed them all up, I guess. Uncle Neil fought in Vietnam, too, I think. I don't even know. My family never talks about it. Whenever I try to ask anything about it, they just get all quiet. So, yeah. Now you know as much about my family as I do. Patty and Grandma Susie come out of the bathroom and head towards the bedroom. Say goodnight to Grandma, guys. Goodnight, Grandma. Good night. Sleep tight. Patty walks Grandma Susie into the bedroom and shuts the door. Mike holds up a wine bottle. Want any more? Nah, I'm good, thanks. I had too much. <laughs> I should have saved the drinking for tomorrow. Hey, that's what the holidays are for, right? Drinking every day. <laughs> Mike moves closer to Katie on the couch and cuddles her playfully. Patty re-enters the living room. Behave, you two. Mom. We will. I'm bloody teasing. You see, Mike knows. Yeah, see, I know. All right, lovebirds. I'm going to bed, too. See you in the morning. Be ready to help me with the rest of the cooking. It's going to be a lot. Yep, sure. Sounds fun. Okay. Good night, then. You gonna watch a movie? Yeah. Uh, what movie? <laughs> Don't know yet. Okay. Enjoy, then. Good night. Patty exits up the staircase. And here we are again. Yes. Come on. Katie takes Mike by the hand and pulls him towards uh, the bedroom. Katie, are you sure? I mean, I want to, obviously, but your mom... Forget her. She won't know. We're watching a movie. Katie grabs the remote and turns on the television, turning the volume up. She turns off the lights. They sneak into her bedroom and close the door. Giggling and rustling is heard from behind the bedroom door. Some time passes. The door to Grandma Susie's room opens. The atmosphere shifts. Grandma Susie walks out into the darkness without her walker. She shuffles her feet and is hunched over as she makes her way into the living room. Mickey? Mickey, turn that off, please. Come to bed now. I need you. I can't sleep without you. Grandma Susie slips and falls in the darkness. Oh, oh. Grabbing onto oh, a lamp which crashes to the floor with her. Oh, she lies there for a brief oh, moment, lit only by the glow oh, of the television. Oh, oh.
Act Two, Scene One. Grandma Susie lies on the floor, moaning and crying oh. for Mickey. The oh. crash of the lamp was loud oh. enough to alert Mike and Katie, who come running out of the bedroom, desperately oh. throwing their clothes back on. Grandma. Oh my God, are you okay? Oh. Mike bends down and delicately helps her up to her feet. Katie holds on to Grandma Susie's other arm. Where does it hurt, Grandma? Oh, where's your father? He still won't come to bed. You mean Grandpa? Mickey! What's wrong? His soldiers at the door. Uncle Michael? <laughs> Don't say his name. Don't say it. Don't leave me alone. And tell them to leave me alone. Where's Mickey? Patty has come down the stairs and turns on the light. What, what the hell happened? She's talking about Grandpa again. She was looking for him. I told you to come get me if something happened. Well, we didn't have time. She fell. And she she fell? Jesus Christ. Out here? And, and you two didn't notice her wandering all the way out here? Give her to me. Patty takes control of Grandma Susie. It must have been some movie here we'll watch. Oh, oh, I see. An infomercial. Christ almighty. Should we call an ambulance? Ma, does it hurt anywhere? My side hurts. Okay, okay, let me, let me take a look. Patty lifts up Grandma Susie's shirt on the side and pulls her elastic pants down on one side oh, on, of her hip. Yeah, you're a little red there. I don't think anything's broken, though, Ma. You're lucky. Katie, go grab an ice pack. Katie runs into the kitchen and grabs an ice pack out of the freezer. Mike, do you mind cleaning up that broken glass? Katie, get a broom, too. I think I broke that lamp. Oh, that's okay, Ma. It wasn't a very nice one anyway. You did us a favor. I'm glad to be useful. <laughs> Ma, you are something else, you know. Are you okay? You able to walk? I think so. Okay, let's get you back to bed. What are you doing out here, huh? You looking for Dad? I don't know. It's okay. It's okay now. Let's get you a sleeping pill. Katie runs back and hands the ice pack to Patty and the broom to Mike. Patty and Grandma Susie make their way into Grandma Susie's room. Meanwhile, Katie holds the dustpan as Mike sweeps the broken glass into it. Katie throws away the collected glass as Mike tries to find a spot for the busted lamp. They share a guilty look. Mike gives Katie a hug and goes upstairs to his bedroom. Katie remains for a moment, biting her nails. Patty comes out of Grandma, Grandma Susie's bedroom. She stands in the semi-darkness looking at Katie. I'm sorry. We were just talking in my room and mm. we heard the crash. I see. You haven't changed. What? <laughs> You're still the little slut. I remember screwing around. What does it take? Your own grandma falling down in front of you to go get your skirt back on? Fuck you! Cat Patty slaps Katie in the face. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done I what shouldn't do have done expect? that. What do you expect? Really, how do you expect me to feel loved, huh? Dad was gone. You pushed him the fuck away. Picking up an empty wine glass. And you, you weren't even here. I don't even know who you are. I never did. And you just trapped me here in the middle of nowhere with Jesus on a cross in every room staring at me. You know, if I hadn't been so fucking caged in, maybe I wouldn't have felt the need to run off like that. Maybe if you had talked to me and explained things to me like a normal human being, I wouldn't have oh, felt like... Oh, yeah, so it's my fault then, is it? My fault. You shame yourself and our family. I, I wonder how Mike would feel if he knew. I wonder if you go behind his back like you did mine and do the unthinkable. Or would you at least put it up for adoption next time? Like, like your sweet little boyfriend was? I am sorry for what you will face when your time comes. I was 15. 
It doesn't matter. And what will I have to face, Mom? Hmm? Hellfire and brimstone? Please, you're delusional. Excuse me? What is that supposed to mean? I don't believe in God anymore. I don't believe in God. Oh, so that's your excuse. That's how you keep sleeping at night, huh? There's no God, so it doesn't matter what you do. Of course it matters. I try to be a good person. If I'm good, it's not because I fear punishment from some man in the sky. I'm good because I'm good. It was one mistake, but I chose not to let it ruin my life or another potential child's life. I would have been a horrible mother at fucking 15 years old, and you know it. I was a child. God, I can't believe I even came back here. What was I thinking? I'm, I'm sorry I hit you. Yeah, well, that's the least of it. Whatever, maybe I should just leave. No, no, Katie, don't. I, I forgive you for it. Really, I do. Gee, thanks. But, but it is up to you and God to work out the rest. Your, your fate lies in that. Why are you like this? Why? You're, you're hiding behind all this religious bullshit. That's what pushed Dad away, right? What, what are you so afraid of, Mom? Don't bring your father into this. He has nothing to do with anything. Maybe that's it right there. Maybe he figured that out. Figured out what? I don't know. If you don't know, I certainly don't know. Fuck it. I'll tell Mike we're leaving. Katie, no, no, stay. Stay for Grandma. I, I, I don't know how many Thanksgivings... She has left with us. You know, Mom, you want to know why I came back? I thought maybe I needed you. I thought I could try one more time with you, give you a chance. A chance to be in on it. Mike doesn't even know yet. I've been afraid to tell him. Oh, Katie. Patty hesitantly reaches for her. Don't. How, how long have you known? I'm a month along. Oh, Katie. Oh, Katie. I'm scared, Mom. You'll be glad to know that I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it no matter what. I don't know how to tell him. How do I tell him? I don't know. I guess you just, you find a good moment and tell him. I love him. Well, that's good, hon. That's all you need, I think. I hope so. Will, will you stay? Yeah, we'll stay. For Grandma. Katie turns and walks upstairs to her bedroom. Patty stands alone, motionless. She turns off the living room light. The television once again dimly lights the room. She looks at the large wine bottle sitting on the coffee table and pours the last bit of it into her glass. There are only a few drops, not enough. She eyes the whiskey bottle and pours what remains of it into her glass. Act Two, Scene Two. It is late the next morning. Patty is passed out on the couch. We hear the faint squawking of chickens from outside. Patty begins to awaken. She is very hungover, but as usual, functioning. She looks at her watch, and it is much later than she wants it to be. The squawking and fighting of the chickens becomes ferocious. Patty looks out the window. Oh, no! Oh, no, you little shit! 
Patty rushes to the kitchen, grabs the rifle off the deer antlers, and runs out of the house. After a brief moment, a gunshot is heard in the distance. A few seconds go by, and Mike come down, comes down the stairs, looking around nervously. He walks toward the front door as Patty re-enters the house, holding the rifle. What happened? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Looks like we're having some chicken with our turkey today. What? Why? What happened? Damn fox was out there again. He just got two more hens. You shot a fox? I know, I know. They're pretty little things, but they can be real shits. Uh, I'm sorry if you care for them. This one had to go. I'm down five hens this week. The fence you were working on, that's to keep out foxes and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It isn't finished. Should be fixed in a few days, but you know, until then, I, I gotta do what I gotta do. Gosh, you, <laughs> you and Katie are real peas in a pod. I, I'm sorry to tell you, sweetie, if this kind of thing bothers you, you you're really not cut out for farm life. I guess not. I, I just, I like animals. I mean, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I figured Katie didn't tell you that. No, she sure didn't. I suppose Grandma and I will have a, an abundance of dead bird leftovers. Sorry. You know, I could help you with the fence if you want. You would speed things up, I'm sure, so maybe this doesn't have to happen again. You know, I appreciate that, Mike, but I, I know what I'm doing, and it would probably make the task go a lot longer if I had to teach you in the process. Hey, I'll get, I'll get it done soon enough. Patty places the rifle back onto the deer antlers. Don't be sad about the fox. He was a murdering son of a bitch. I can make a nice hat out of him for you. I'm just teasing you. Jeez. Well, I need to bury the little bastard anyway, so why don't we give him a ceremony to boot? Would you like that? Sure. It will be a Thanksgiving fox funeral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, dear. Grandma Susie rings her bell from the bedroom. Well, excuse me? Patty opens Susie's bedroom door and calls in. Good morning, Ma. How are you feeling? I'm well, thank you. Well, let me take a look at your side. Yeesh. That's a bad bruise. We'll keep an eye on that, okay, Ma? Hey, Mike? Can you grab me another ice pack out of the freezer? Sure. Mike retrieves an ice pack out of the freezer and brings it to Grandma Susie's bedroom. Okay, here we go. Ready, Ma? Oh, yes, I'm ready. Mike walks back into the kitchen. He looks out the window. Mm -hmm. He sees the bodies of the dead chickens and the fox. Katie sleepily enters the kitchen and hugs Mike. She looks out the window. Oh, no! Sorry, Katie, maybe you shouldn't I've look. I've seen my fair share of decapitated chickens, Mike. I'm just... Ugh. I hate that. And those were the hens that let you pet them. Fuck! Oh, man, and she shot the fox, too. If she would just fix a damn fence and be sober more than half the time, maybe this wouldn't happen. Jeez. Katie, why don't you start prepping the rest of the food? Uh, Mike, would you help set up the dining room? Sure. Patty walks Grandma Susie out of the bedroom with her walker and into the bathroom. We see Mike and Katie go about setting up for the Thanksgiving preparations. Patty helps Grandma Susie into the bathroom and shuts the door. Mike is doing his best to set up the dining room. I don't know why she asked you to do this. You don't know where anything is. 
I took it as a challenge. <laughs> we use these for special occasions. Katie opens a china cabinet and takes out some special old dishes. I think some of these were wedding gifts to my grandparents when they got married. They're nice. Did you and your mom have a, a fight last night? It sounded pretty tense down here. I wasn't sure if I should come down or... You heard us? Well, you can kind of hear everything in this house. You heard what was said? I heard some of it. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I, I don't know what you think you heard, no, but Nothing. I nothing, really. I, I didn't hear that much. Mike takes Katie in his arms. They put their foreheads together. Katie, I'm... It's okay, you know. I want you to know that I'm not... You're not what? I'm not ever going to judge you about your past. I just wish you would feel safe enough with me to tell me things. I'm sorry you went through that and at 15, geez, it must have been. Oh, okay, yes, that, um, you heard that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I, I just wasn't ready to tell you about that yet. I, I understand. It must have been so awful for you. It was a rough time for me, uh, but hey, now you know, ripped the Band-Aid off. Can we, uh, let's talk about it when we get back to the city, okay? Of course, sure. Hey. He kisses her. Don't hide from me, okay? You don't have to. Okay, I won't, I'll tell you. We'll, we'll talk about everything, I promise, but not here. Okay. Let's just try to get through this weekend for my grandma. Patty and Grandma Susie exit the bathroom. Katie, get the shovel out of the barn. You ready for that funeral, Mike? Katie gives Mike a confused look, mouthing to him, What? Mike shakes his head, smirking. Who died? A fox died, Ma. We gotta bury a fox. Must have been some nice fox. <laughs> sure he was, Ma. <laughs> Would you like to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade? No, I'd like to go to the funeral. <laughs> Act two, scene three. It is about half an hour later. Mike, Katie, Patty, and Grandma Susie stand around a mound of dirt in the backyard where they have placed a stone and crossed two sticks to make a crucifix. Grandma Susie wears a puffy coat and has a strong grip on her walker. Who here would like to say a few words for our dearly departed? Hmm? Well, Mike? Uh, sure. <clears throat> Dear... Fox, <laughs> we are sorry that you were killed. It was done to protect the rest of the flock, which you, out of your natural instincts, were going to kill. You were a beautiful and special creature, and I am sad for your loss on this earth. Boy, Katie, you picked a real sensitive one, didn't you? <laughs> Patty, would you like to say something? Sure, why not? Dear murderous varmint, you got what you deserved. You killed poor Delilah and Thumbelina who were minding their own business, being sweet chickens. But, I, but I, I'm sorry it had to come to this. I wouldn't kill you if I didn't think I had to. Amen. <laughs> Katie, your turn. Dear Lordy Lord Lord, sweet Jesus, bless this soul here buried in our earth. Although, according to your good book, animals don't have souls. 
Anyway, we lift them up to you and ask for your forgiveness, especially for Patricia O'Connor, who took the life of Mr. Dear Fox. Uh, we ask you to bless the chickens and lift their spirits up to heaven so that we may eat them later in peace. We ask you to forgive Mr. Fox for his violent instincts, though he is a wild animal who you have apparently created to be this way with your almighty celestial powers, so it must have been your divine plan to have Mr. Fox decapitate Delilah and Thumbelina, only to wind up with a similar fate for himself minutes later. <laughs> uh, we comfort ourselves in knowing that we mortal beings are just not meant to know why these terrible Things happen since you work in such mysterious ways. In Jesus' name, we pray. She crosses herself with great reverie. Grandma Susie also crosses herself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Very well said, Katie. Thank you. Shall we? What about me? Oh, of course. Sorry, Ma. May the choirs of angels come to greet you. May they speed you to paradise. May the Lord enfold you in his mercy. May you find eternal life. That was beautiful, Ma. Thank you. I'm ready to go home now. All right, Ma. Patty leads them all back into the house through the back door. Just as they round the corner and step into the house, Neil walks into the yard unseen. He stands there watching the house. He kicks a stone. He looks over at the grave and approaches it. He sits down on the gravestone. He lights a cigarette and smokes it, trembling. Act Two, Scene Four. Later that day, Neil is unmoved from the gravestone. Katie, Mike, and Patty are bustling around the house, carrying the steaming food out to the dining room. It smells like Thanksgiving. Grandma Susie is hooked up to the oxygen tank. She calls out from the living room. Can I help? No, Ma, you just stay put. I'll come get you in a minute. Katie and Mike bring out the last dishes and help make the finishing touches. Patty has carved the turkey and brings it out on a huge platter. All right, Ma, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, yes, I can smell it from here. Patty helps Grandma Susie over to the dining room table. Mike rolls her oxygen tank alongside of her, then pulls out her chair as Patty helps her sit. Cute accessory, isn't it? You may start a trend. <laughs> All right, let's take our seats. They sit. It smells amazing. It does. Shall we say grace? Of course, Ma. Would you like to lead it? Well, I, I could certainly try. Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts, which we are about bounty. to receive from thy bounty, bounty through Christ, Christ our Lord. Lord. Amen. 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 Patty and Grandma Susie cross themselves. Katie hesitates, but then crosses herself, too. Well, why don't we go around the table and say what we are thankful for? That's a nice idea. Well, why don't you go first, Mike? Um, hmm. What am I thankful for? I am thankful to be here right now with each of you. 
I am thankful that I get a chance to see where Katie grew up and to meet her wonderful family. That was very sweet, Mike. Thank you. Katie? I am thankful to spend some time with you, Grandma. It's been a while since I've been home, and, uh, well, I'm thankful we're all together and, and that you all got to meet Mike. Well, I, I'm, I am very thankful to have both you youngsters here with us. And though we may be rough around the edges, I, I'm thankful that Mike seems to accept us. I'm glad that Katie has found him. And especially that she has come home again. It's a, it's really a wonderful thing. And uh, I am thankful for this beautiful meal we made together. Ma, you want to say what you're thankful for? What? Would, would you like to say what you're thankful for? What do you mean? Ma, just, just say what you're thankful for. It's Thanksgiving. All right. I'm thankful that I will get to eat this delicious meal with all of you sometime soon, I hope. <laughs> all right. Let's eat. Could you pass the potatoes, please? Uh, sure. As they begin to pass around the food, Neil comes in through the back door of the house, unheard and unseen. This is very good, Patty. Thanks, Ma. Everyone helped. Everyone but me. Well, that's because you're a superstar, remember? What? Oh, yes, I remember. I'm a superstar. Neil! Come on in, sweetheart. You're late. Neil! Neil! What are you doing here? Shut the fuck up. Uncle Neil? I said shut up! Oh, why are you so upset, dear? Where the fuck is the money, Ma? Your fucking check was bad. What check? Oh, watch your language, Neil. Oh, oh, I get it. This bitch here, she takes all your social security, doesn't she? Uses it all up, doesn't she? Dad's pension, too, right? You got nothing in your account, do you? Oh, my God, you? the other day you said Neil stopped by. Oh, my God. You stop that mean talk, Neil. Now, why don't you pull up a chair? We've got plenty of food. I'm so glad you decided to join Patty, us. You better give me that money right now. Ma gave it to me. It's her money. She gave it to me. What, so you can buy more drugs? Shut the fuck up. I used that money for her, Neil. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with you? I am taking care of our mother with that well, money. I tell you. It looks to me like you're spending it on your damn booze. So what's the difference? You got your vice, and I got mine. You get out of my house. She gets up to go to the phone. You know I've got a restraining order against you. You ready to go back to prison? I'm calling the police. Like hell you are. He rushes into the kitchen, grabs the rifle off the antlers, and returns to the dining room, pointing the rifle at Patty. Patty has just picked up the phone from the receiver when she sees Neil with the rifle. Put the phone down. Patty puts the phone back onto the receiver. Uncle Neil? What? Please put it down. Please just sit with us. You can Seeing sit. as I don't have a seat, how could I do that, hon? Some slanty-eyed fuck is hey, sitting in Don't it. you dare talk to him that I way. I can damn well talk how I want to, Patty. What the hell is this guy doing here, anyway? Katie, I better be wrong in what I'm thinking. What do you care? You don't know a thing about me. Wait a minute. He jerks the rifle towards Mike. Who are you? I know you. 
I know you from somewhere, don't I? I don't think we've met. I've no. seen your face. I've seen that face before. What are you, huh? Katie looks at Mike and shakes her head. Uh, American. That ain't what I mean. Vietnamese. Yes, yes you are. You see, most folks around here, they can't tell your kind apart. You all look the same to them, but to me, I can see the slope of your head. I can see the shapes, the eyes. Pointing the rifle at Mike, shaking. You fight like cowards, booby traps, and mines. And now I got you all out in the open, you dirty jungle gook. Neil hits Mike in the face with the butt of the rifle oh. and is knocked oh. off his chair. Oh. Katie falls to Mike and holds oh. him. What's he doing here? Will someone answer that? Mike is bleeding. He is woozy from the blow to the head. Katie tends to him. Neil, stop. Put that down and rest for a moment, all right? You're not acting right. You've hurt the poor kid. Please stop. Neil, you have shamed yourself. Ah, how do you feel having this rice picker here? You know, his kind is the reason your golden boy is in the fucking ground, right? No, no, that's not true. Michael is a good and kind young man. Now, you put that awful thing down. Jesus, Patty, how far gone is she calling this chink Michael? Oh, don't tell me. Really? That's too much. Your name is Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Mike manages to recover enough to get back up, and he and Katie get back into their seats. Mike has discreetly wrapped his hand around the handle of the carving knife. You know what? I think I will join you. Patty, come back in here, will you? Patty hesitates and walks slowly to her seat. Neil pulls up a chair for himself, holding tightly onto the rifle, and sits down. So, Michael... You've been enjoying yourself? Answer me. You've been enjoying yourself? Sure. Good. So glad to hear that. You in love with my pretty little niece? Uncle Neil, stop it. No, 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 Katie. Let him answer. I want to know. Yes, I am. You are. You know, now that I think about it, I might have fallen in love with one of your kind myself over there in Nam. Your women are pretty. Oh, yes, I was there, too. You didn't know? Of course not. We never talk about that. My brother and I were there together. Unfortunately, he's the one that died. I think my folks were mighty disappointed when I came back and he didn't. Isn't that right, Ma? Grandma Susie stares straight ahead. You know, it feels good to finally talk about this. Get it all out in the open. We don't really talk much in this family. As I recall, Ma... You stopped talking altogether for a while there, didn't you? Well, what was the point? Your favorite was dead. He was my favorite too, Ma. My big brother. We were your Irish twins, you remember that? <laughs> of course, he turned out to be the better looking one. And Dad, just like you, Ma, he was done with the rest of us, too, wasn't he? Just sat there reading his books or watching ball games, didn't care what any of us did. Take me out to the ball game, 
Take me out to the crowd. Neil takes a basket of hot rolls and pitches it across the room. Stop it. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. He takes bragged. the bowl of potatoes and pitches it against the wall. Stop! Or it's rude, rude, rude for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one. He throws a plate. Two. He throws a glass. Three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. He kicks Patty's chair, shoving her back a few inches. Would you pass the stuffing, Katie? I love stuffing. Katie passes the stuffing over to Neil. He grabs a fork and eats the stuffing right mm. out of the bowl. That's pretty good, Patty. You're a better cook than you were when you were a kid, at least. Remember that? Patty had to do all the cooking and cleaning. Ma would lie in bed all day, and you did everything for us. Well, you were the oldest daughter, after all. My little tomboy sister. I think I treated you like shit, didn't I? Sorry about that. I was going through some things when I got back, you know. Oh, I know what I'm thankful for. Can I say it now? Is it my turn? Thank you, Patty, for playing mama for us. You made our beds, you cooked our meals, and cleaned the house. Wasn't that good of her, Ma? Hello? Anybody home? Of course not. How convenient for you, Ma. Hey, Michael. You know what they call folks like you? Twinkie. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. <laughs> no, you ain't off the boat, I can see that. Brought up in the good old USA. Rocky fuck, aren't ya? Bet your parents still stink like that fucking fish sauce, though. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, He's adopted, wow. Neil. He's from New Jersey, for Christ's sake. Oh, I see. Sure, that's even better. So his parents are fucking liberal hippie Viet Cong sympathizers who think they can inspire world peace by adopting little Victor Charlie here. Isn't that right? And now I got to look at him sitting at my family's dinner table. You know, Charlie, I see you holding that carving knife. What do you think you're going to do, huh? Why don't you hand that over to me, right now? He cocks the rifle. Put it in the center of the table. Reluctantly, Mike does. Neil looks at the knife. Ooh. He picks it up, letting the rifle hang at his side a bit. That's a pretty big blade. Could do some real damage. You like your ears? What? Guess they ain't working too well. I said... You like your ears? Neil, what are you doing? Stop this, please. Shut up, Patty. I asked Charlie here a question. Yes, I like my fucking ears. Whoa, there he is. I like them too. I had a necklace of ears. It looked a lot like yours. You know, we had to confirm the kill, so we cut off those dead ears like cutting butter. Uncle Neil, please, what? why are you doing this? Sweetheart, Stop. shut up! Neil plunges the knife deep into the kitchen table. Jesus Christ, Neil. Jesus Christ. Patty reaches out her hand to Katie, and Katie takes it. Please, just take what you want and leave for your family. Why are you doing this? What is family, Katie? I sure as hell don't know. That word don't really mean shit to me. We O'Connors are a cold and loveless bunch, Katie, but I'm sure you know that. 
And right now, my family is the only thing standing between me and a beautiful fucking needle in my vein. You need money, right? That's why you're yeah, here. Yeah, I need some fucking money. And your grandma gave me some, but your bitch of a mother used it all up on who the fuck knows what, leaving me with the fucking shakes and nothing left for rent. And now this. Aiming at Mike again. This dink thinking he can sit here in my brother's chair. I ought to torture you the way you fucks tortured What's me, going on here? What's all this yelling about? I don't like it and your food is getting cold, Neil. Go back to being quiet, Ma. I think I like you better that way. I will not all. be quiet, young man. You don't speak to your mother that way. Go to your Ma. room. Now. Patty, you better shut her up Ma. right Ma. now. Ma, Neil, Neil's just playing a game. Well, I don't like it. You wait till your father hears about this. Look. Gesturing you, you, towards you, Katie. You've made Nora upset. It's only a game. Ha <laughs> ha. Relax. Eat your food. Nora's playing the game with me, aren't you, sis? Yeah, I, I'm playing a game with Neil, Mom. Well, as, as long as you're having fun, you just watch your language. Oh, why don't we play that game? The, the, one, the one you and I played, Michael. I enjoyed that. What was that called? Life. That's, that's right. Let's play that one instead. This one's too vulgar. I know a better game. It's called Remember When. Y you don't need a game board or anything to play it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> How's that go? You, uh, you got to tell a memory of someone. And then that person in your memory has to tell it from their perspective. That sounds pleasant. I'll go first. I choose Uncle Neil. Ha! <laughs> All right. I think it was Easter. I think I was about nine or ten years old. You came over to the house in the afternoon. There was pie and coffee. Uh, and I remember you, you <laughs> gave me a present. Yeah. I, I was excited to be getting a present from you. And when I opened it up, it was the movie... Babes in Toyland. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being disappointed. I said thank you, but I think you knew I was disappointed. I, I thought I was too old for something called Babes in Toyland. Then after school one day, I was bored, so I put it in the VCR and I watched it. And I loved it. And I watched it every day after school for a while. And I remember thinking, I was really ungrateful to you. And I mm. felt bad about it for a long time. And oh. I, re I remember the stuff people would say about you. And it made me sad and it made me angry because I knew I thought you were a good person with a big heart. And I always wanted to go back to that day and really thank you. I was upset when people would say bad things about you because I thought, no, my uncle, he gave me babes in Toyland. He's a nice person. Uh. <laughs> That's it. I don't think I ever saw you again after that. I guess that's why it's stuck in my head so much. That was my only memory of you. You liked that movie, huh? <laughs> I did, too. Now I tell it, right? Well, let's see. I remember coming over to the house. I remember the pie, lemon meringue. I remember you sitting on the floor watching TV in your little Easter dress. I remember giving you the tape. I watched you open it. And yeah, you're right. I could see you didn't like it. You still said thanks, though, and you hugged me. I remember thinking. I remember thinking, she's going to like it. Ha! This is a nice game. 
And Patty, I remember you giving me shit in the kitchen because you smelled liquor on my bread. Now tell me, what's the difference between a day drinker and a night drinker? Not much, except day drinkers enjoy the day. The house phone <laughs> rings. Neil is caught off guard and whips his head and the rifle towards the sound. Don't anybody move. The phone continues to ring. Neil walks over to it. He stands above it for a moment, considering what to do. He puts a finger to his lips. He picks up the phone. Hello? Who's this? Oh, hey, hey, Bill. Uh, this is Neil. Yeah, yeah, Patty had me over this year. Ah, uh, well, you know, we'll water under the bridge now. Hey, we're family, right? <laughs> Yeah, we got the game on, sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Katie? Yeah, she's here. She's, uh... Here, uh, let me, let me get her. Hold on. He motions for Katie to come over. Katie cautiously approaches the phone, and Neil glares at her and puts his finger to his lips again. Uh, here she is. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Bill. He hands her the phone and points the rifle at her. Hi, Dad. Happy Thanksgiving. I do? No, I'm fine. I miss you too. Grandma's good. Everyone's good. How's Laura? Say happy Thanksgiving for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're watching the game. Yeah, I wish the Bills were playing, too. <laughs> yep, everything's fine. No. No, I I'm rooting for the Raiders. The Raiders. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know, Dad. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll tell them. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. I love you. Bye. She hangs up the phone. Neil pushes her back to her seat. Mike and Katie share a look. Katie bites her fingers. Who was that? That was Bill, Ma. What did he want? He wanted to say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Well, that's nice. All right, game over. Everyone take out your wallets. Now! Mike takes his wallet out and tosses it onto the table. Where are yours? Over there. In the living room. Go get them, and don't try anything stupid. Patty and Katie spring up from their chairs, get their wallets, and toss them onto the dining table. Sit back down. They do. Neil opens Mike's wallet. Michael Benson, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Organ donor. <laughs> he sifts through the cash. Phew, jackpot. Damn, kid. What, you plan to buy the farm? Jesus, this kid is loaded. Pardon me, sir. Welcome to the family. Jesus. Just take it. What do you think I'm doing, numbnuts? He pockets the wad of cash. See he takes you, Katie's wallet next. See what you've got in here, girly. Ten bucks. Shit. And Patty, dear Patty. Sixty bucks. Not bad. What are you going to buy, Neil? If you're going to the store, I'd like you to pick up some roast beef for tonight. Your father's been asking for All it. All right, Ma, I'll get the roast beef. What are you doing with that Just gun? Just ho I'm holding it, Ma. Oh, well, put it down. Not yet, Ma. Everybody put your cell phones on the table. Do it. 
Katie puts her cell phone, a flip phone, on the table. Mike puts his smartphone on the table, and Patty puts her flip phone on the table. Mm-hmm. Neil picks them up. No reception. No reception. Good. He pockets their phones. Now get the fuck out. I will not let you terrorize this family any longer. You've always been a real piece of shit, Patty. Oh, I'm a piece of shit. Really? Mom, stop. I'm the only one trying to hold on to what's left of this family. Mom and Dad did everything for you, and you did everything in your power to fuck up your life anyway. And look at me. The only one here at the end still cleaning up all you that You are shit. an alcoholic, manipulating oh, yeah? psycho You bitch. are and a I worthless, know you got junkie criminal. Will look at yourself. You. you really think you deserve to be in her will? I'm the one who gave up everything to take care of her. <laughs> I'm the one putting in the time. I've got no life outside of taking care of her and this farm. You think that's fun? And why don't you do it, huh? Oh, that's right. You're a fuck-up who can't even keep a job at Stewart's. I'm all she's got. And you know what? She barely knows who I am. All she fucking talks about is you. All she worries about are her boys. You know, (laughs) Michael would be so ashamed. He'd be heartbroken to see you now. You're a disgrace. Trembling, Neil aims the rifle at Grandma Susie's oxygen tank. Don't you say that. Don't you say that. Uncle Neil. I should give us all the same send-off he had. Wouldn't that be fitting? Blast us all away into the sun. No, don't! Mike looks as though he was about to pounce on Neil. The house phone rings. Neil jumps at the sound. He trembles as he lets it ring. He walks over to the phone. He paces. He decides to pick it up. Yeah? Bill? Didn't you just call? What? What is it? Uh... But uh, Katie? Oh, you forgot something? Uh, well, uh, l- l- let me see where she's at. He covers the phone with his hand. He glares at Katie. Uh, it looks like she's outside at the moment, Bill. Uh, you want me to have her call you back? Uh, sure, 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 no problem. Yeah, that was quite a touchdown. Huh? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Raiders for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't believe he missed that field goal either. (laughs) Well, uh, good to talk to you, Bill. Yeah, (laughs) happy Thanksgiving again. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so long. Mike has been discreetly disconnecting Grandma Susie's oxygen tank. He begins to roll the tank away from them towards one of the nearby bedrooms as Katie looks on, frozen in fear. Neil hangs up the phone. He looks at it for a moment. He slams the phone onto the receiver again and again and then rips it out of the wall. He spots Mike's movement, and in his terrifying rage, the atmosphere shifts. He whips the rifle toward Mike. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Something has changed in Neil. He holds up the phone, cords dangling from it. He speaks into it. Bravo, this is too far. I gotta see R-15 pointed at Charlie November. He's in mid-setup of a claymore. Over. Tango Echo, we're gonna need an EOD stat. 
Charlie's got a dead cord. Repeat, we got a sapper in here 50 meters away. Neil's eyes are erratic. He loses focus on Mike and stalks about the room. Everyone is frozen in fear. Now we are in Neil's reality. We hear foreign words floating about the room in haunting whispers. We hear the combat radio go in and out. We hear rapid fire and the sounds of the jungle. Neil begins walking a trail in his mind. He whispers to the soldiers behind him on the trail. Patty, Katie, and Mike see Neil's vulnerability in this moment, but can only watch him in desperate bewilderment. Body. He steps forward, avoiding another as he whispers. Body. Ugh. Body. Ah, Charlie's on our ass. Roger that. One base, number one. Tango Echo, do you copy? We need reinforcements. We got hundreds of NVA crossing via Ho Chi Minh. They're hitting us with mortars. Ah, ground fire. Neil dives to the floor. Ah! We are taking on ground fire here. Tango Echo, do you copy? What game is this now? Neil, get off that dirty floor. Neil whips the rifle toward Grandma Susie. Tango Echo, I got a staff sergeant here who's non-cooperative with the mission. Please advise. Over. Neil. Neil! Patty throws her glass of wine onto Neil's face. Ah. He is surprised and chokes on the wine. In an instant, Neil has grabbed onto Katie, the rifle careening in one hand. He searches for her face desperately as he chokes for air. Katie is frozen, unsure of what to do. Instinctively, Patty rips Neil off of Katie with all her might, wrestling with him ferociously, attempting to pry the rifle out of his grip. But Neil whips her away with a single shove, sending her across the room. Neil stumbles across the dining room and leans against the far wall. He slides down the wall to the floor, exhausted, still gripping the rifle, staring blankly ahead, silent for a disturbing amount of time. Cautiously, Mike approaches him. He bends down on the ground, looking into Neil's eyes and face, stained red from the wine. Neil, give me the gun. It's over. Give me the gun, please. Look around. There's your niece, Katie. She loves you very much. There's your sister and there's your mother. They all love you very much. It's all full in my head. The soldier in the tree cut off from the torso. His eyes are still open. Blinking. Neil, you are home now. You are home. Take a deep breath. Look at my shoes. What color are my shoes? What color are my shoes, Neil? Blue. Good. Okay, take another deep breath. Where are we? Home. Good. Mike slowly moves his hand over the rifle, and just when it seems as though Neil will give up, Neil rushes Mike, ripping the rifle back. He grabs Mike fiercely by his collar, shaking him violently, and then grips Mike, Mike's neck with one hand, slamming him against the wall, their faces inches apart. Mike struggles only for a moment, but then stops, looking Neil dead in the eye. Neil's eyes flash with despair and rage. In Mike's eyes, Neil can see all of the horrors of his past, and then, in a moment of suspension, Neil can see his brother. He lets go of Mike and staggers backward, hugging the rifle again. I wasn't with him. I wasn't with him when it happened. He was in Nabe. My buddies told me something was on the radio, something real bad in Nabe. My brother. I shot the first gook I saw, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next. <laughs> you want to know the best part of it all? 
when I got back to base, they told me what really happened. Official, how he died. It was friendly fire. Friendly fire. Friendly fire. Stupid mistake. Him and his buddies were still standing there. The river wasn't cleared before the mine was detonated. He wasn't cleared out. They never saw it coming. <laughs> Try to find some meaning in that, will you? When we were sent home, walking out in our fatigues, we weren't greeted with no hugs or kisses. No, sir, we were spat on. Maybe I deserved that, but not Michael. Not Michael. He was good and kind, and he was brave. But he would have been spit on, too, if he came home. You know that? They would have spit on him, too. No honor, no glory, no thanks. No nothing. He turns to Mike. I am sorry, boy. I am sorry. But I hate you. I do. Forgive me. Forgive me. I fucking hate you. I'm sorry. Sirens are heard far off in the distance. Oh, fucking hell. Raising the rifle. Who called the cops? Who called the fucking cops? Katie looks up at him. You? How the fuck did you call the... Oh, uh, Bill. <laughs> Fucking Bill. Just go, Uncle Neil. Get out of here. I'm going. I'm going. Where are you going, Neil? I'm going to see Michael, Ma. Oh, you are? Well, will you tell him to get home soon? His turkey's getting cold. I'll tell him. Neil exits slowly. He is watched by all except Grandma Susie, who continues to nibble on her food, satisfied by Neil's answer. Once he is out of the house, Katie rushes to Mike and holds him. Patty stares at them. Neil is out in the yard. The sirens are getting louder. He stands there for a brief moment and then raises the rifle, pointing it towards his chest. Patty, realizing what is about to happen, rushes out of the house and into the backyard. Neil! She is too late. As he squeezes the trigger, he stops at the sound of the click. It is only a click. He tries again and again and again, anguished. He rushes, she rushes towards him as he falls to the ground, defeated. Patty holds him and cradles him in her arms. Mike and Katie have by this time run out the door and are watching. The sirens are getting louder. I never reloaded it. <laughs> I never reloaded it. I forgot. I always reload it. I always do. Oh, uh, Neil. It's going to be okay now. We're going to get you some help, okay? Shh. She rocks him. You're going to be okay. Shush. It's going to be okay. Shh. I got you. She holds him like a mother holds her baby. As Katie and Mike watch, the lights of the police cars flash into the yard. The wailing sirens blend into the echoes of combat radio, the jungle, and distant voices of the forgotten past. Act Two, Scene Five. It is early afternoon the next day. Patty brings out Grandma Susie's meals on wheels. 
It is a chicken salad sandwich, a small carton of milk, potato salad, and beans. She is watching Gone with the Wind. Katie and Mike walk into the living room with their bags packed and coats on. Mike's face is bandaged where the rifle butt hit him. We have to go now, Grandma. Oh, you do? Well, it was great to have you here. You'll come back again soon, won't you? Yes, I'll come back soon. Love you, Grandma. Love you too, Katie. You're a good girl. Thanks, Grandma. So are you. Bye, Susie. It was great spending time with you. You too, dear. Lovely to meet you. You come again soon. Mike hugs her. Maybe we can finish playing life next time. Oh, yes, that would be nice. Bye, Grandma. They walk with Patty into the kitchen. You two drive safely, okay? We will. I'm sorry. I. All I can say is I'm, I'm sorry. Mom, it's not your fault. Mike, I, I hope you'll visit again, but I don't expect you to. <laughs> and I don't blame you if you don't. Take care, Patty. Thank you. Thank you. Really. She hugs him. Mom, I... I love you. You know that, right? I love you, too. I love you, too. You visit again soon, all right? I will. I'm sorry, Katie. Katie hugs Patty, a good, strong hug. Patty responds in kind. They separate, and Katie and Mike begin to leave. Hey, call me, you know, if, if you need anything, okay? I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here. Okay, thanks, Mom. I will. Mike and Katie leave. Patty watches them go. She walks into the living room. All right, Ma, you all set? I'm going to be outside for a bit. Oh, I'm all set. Thank you. This is delicious. I'm sure it is, Ma. Enjoy. Patty heads into the kitchen, puts her jacket and work gloves, and heads outside. Grandma Susie takes a bite of the sandwich. She watches the television. She seems to be distracted by something. The atmosphere shifts. She takes the remote and, with effort, turns down the volume. I'm so happy you're home. I've missed you. I don't remember the last time you visited. It's Gone with the Wind, my favorite film. You look so handsome, my handsome boy. Your brother Neil stopped by last week. He joined us for Thanksgiving. He seemed well. I think he misses spending time with you, though. Why don't you take him out to play ball again sometime? I think he'd like that. He looks up to you so. Oh, no. No, that's not true. You came back home. You're here now, aren't you? Angela DeSantis came by again. She dropped off some flowers. She has taken quite the shine to you. She's Italian, though. At least she's Catholic. I don't mind if you want to take her out again. She seems like a nice young lady. I never heard of a girl giving flowers to a boy, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised at what a girl will do for you. 
Well, now, why would you say a thing like that? Those flowers were not for me. They were not. Never seen such an arrangement so beautiful. And that big ribbon with your name on it. They were not for me. Where are you going? Oh, come back. Michael, darling, I'm sorry. I just miss you. It's just been such a long time. You stay with me a while. Let's watch Gone with the Wind. She turns up the volume a bit, and they watch it for a moment. He seems to be leaving. Must you go already? Why? Why, Michael? Oh, don't go. Don't go. You weren't even drafted. Why would you go? Yes, that's right. Your little brother was. He's such a good big brother. I love you, my baby boy. He is leaving. If you must, you must. He leaves. Our atmosphere returns. She is alone in the living room again. She watches Gone with the Wind. We hear the character Ashley Wilkes speaking on the television. Grandma Susie speaks his words with him. Most, Most of, of the, the miseries, miseries of the world were caused by wars. And when, and the, when wars the wars were over, no one ever knew what they were about. Fiddle dee dee. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The front door opens and Mike walks quickly through the house, coming upon Grandma Susie in the living room. You came back. Hi, Susie. I forgot my toothbrush. Mike walks into the bathroom and grabs his toothbrush. He walks back out into the living room. You'll stay a bit longer, Michael. Uh, I would, but Katie's waiting out in the car. Katie? What happened to Angela? Who? Come over here, sweetheart. My good boy. Let's watch Gone with the Wind. Mike hesitates. He looks out the window toward the car and decides to take a seat near Grandma Susie on the couch. They sit there for a moment watching the film. Grandma Susie takes Mike's hand and squeezes it hard as her eyes brim with tears. This is my favorite part. Thanks for stopping by. Now you know I've never let anyone in like that before. I hope you'll visit again, now that you know what's inside these walls.
That was uh, beautiful. Thank you Amazing. so much. Thank no, you. thank you. That was um, a roller coaster, <laughs> really. Um, what an emotional journey we've gone on. Um, I'd be curious just to know what inspired you to write this play. Well, um, I was inspired by my own observations in life. And um, there are some things that happened so a lot of this is based on the truth so um, I just took from certain moments in my life and 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 in my family's history and strung it together in a way that I thought was relevant for all generations um, because I, I felt like it was a, a sort of trickle-down effect um, and Little little things I would observe and hear uh, throughout my my childhood and then adulthood and and um, actually I my my uncle Michael was killed in Vietnam um, and uh, so that sort of a, a, a tribute to him and a story of my family that was never told and the, another theme about it is that you know we don't we don't talk we don't tell these stories we don't communicate very well. Um, the things that are very painful. So that is sort of self-therapeutic self in a way uh, for me and my, my family. I hope they still talk to me after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know you're writing a good play about your family if you're worried about whether or not they'll talk to you afterwards. So true. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so there are many important things that are touched upon um, in this play. Uh, there's, you know, the whole trying to figure out what is happening when no one is talking. Mm -hmm. There is, um, you know, Grandma Susie and her um, dementia, and I think we, like, in the audience can feel just, like, 
how difficult it was for her to like remember things and how much you really wanted her to remember the little things that brought her so much joy and you know remember the things that just happened and then there's also you know the the PTSD fact factor which i found um very interesting um and it's what stuck out to me the most as i i since i've read this play a few times and um one thing that i feel is not really talked about when we talk about PTSD, you know, we talk about, you know, violence and domestic violence and how we bring all of that and into, you know, homes and how we need to, you know, give better mental health to soldiers. But one thing that's not talked about is racism and how that can affect PTSD and perceptions of like someone else's race and, you know, how they'll come to you or not. Um, what like why did you in one why did you include that in this play and two why do you think it's not talked about as much as the the like domestic violence and other things because I, mean, I feel like it's still very you know dangerous in its mm -hmm. its own way because it's not being talked about yeah i agree i i think um i i remember moments where i would i would have a friend you know, I would want to bring over, and I had some like really older relatives that had fought in certain wars, and um, I remember being warned, don't bring so-and-so to the house mm -hmm. when so-and-so was there, because he might say something, and, and, and that really stuck with me my whole life, and, and I think that I tried to understand this, this older, this relative of mine, there's a few of them, so I'm just thinking of one instance because it's a conglomerate. Neil is a conglomerate. All these people are, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I remember feeling really confused why this person I loved would be mad or mean to my friend, uh, and right. and I tried to tried to understand where that hatred came from, and that it. Um, this, this racism thing that was spawned out of his experiences or what he was told to believe in at the time. And it just disturbed me. And that was part of the inspiration of why, one of the inspirations of why I wrote it. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think what, I And why do you think it's not talked about? Because th that made me think about, mm -hmm. is it the, in a way, you know, when our, our governments choose to go into these wars mm -hmm. in countries that are, you know, people of color countries, um, and we send soldiers out there without probably much anthropological training or cultural training, I wonder, like maybe our government is kind of spawning this in a way, but mm -hmm. and also maybe our government isn't talking about it. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know if you, you agree with that, but like, why do you think it's not talked about? Like, PTSD is not talked about as much as I think it should be um, for people to get the help, but I think specifically with this, like, this isn't talked about a lot. And like, why, I just I wanna hear your because, thoughts about that. I, I think because it's, it's somehow tied to the shame. The mm. shame, the collective shame that we've, we have for doing what we did. Like this horrible, oh, wow. disgusting, shameful war. Um, and oh, these these soldiers—they have their PTSD. Oh well, you know, they they went in the war. They they decided to do it. Um, they wanted to fight for their country, and 
I think it, I just keep thinking of, of the word shame. It, it's pushing it under the rug, which kind of goes with the theme of the play of avoidance, mm. avoiding it, avoiding yeah. it. I don't want to think about that. I didn't do that. That's not my fault. It's not my fault. You know, it's like denial and shame. Yeah. I think those are the two words that I'm thinking about. <coughs> That's incredibly mm. spot on. <laughs> um, especially as we go into, you know, Next week's the big week. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. We'll see how many of us choose to stay here or not. But um, I mean, part of the election, I think, that hasn't really been touched upon um, is, is what you said about shame. Um, America owning up to its different shames and its faults. And until we do that, can we progress as a society? No. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I just found that fascinating because there's so much to unpack with this play, which is why I really loved it. Uh, it's also, yeah. uh, I just wanted to say, my, my grandma, this is sort of a tribute to my grandma Betty, too, who <coughs> passed, passed away last year. Um, so, yeah. hi, grandma. <laughs> grandma Betty, bless up. Um, <laughs> um, I think that the play also, like, each character has their own level of shame and the whole Catholic guilt system oh, yeah. weighing down on them. Oh, and so, so true. I think that that kind of yeah. plays through it and who overcomes theirs and who doesn't, you know? I, I think that at one point, Patty says shame uh, to Neil and at one point, uh, Grandma Susie is saying shame to Patty and then I think there's a shame. No, Katie doesn't shame anyone. Um, <laughs> but cool. you know, there's yeah. this, this kind of passing and and yeah. But at the same time, Patty's also purposefully confusing her mother. Katie does it too and doesn't really tell anyone. So we've got this acknowledgement of shame, but also this um, moral gray areas, I think, which are further compounded upon by Catholic guilt. It's very interesting, these layers. That wasn't so much of a question as a statement, <laughs> sorry. It's a nice discussion. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe you have some thoughts about shame in the play. Mm. Yes. Um, well, I think what we just touched on with the, that theme, um, I think, you know, uh, there's also the theme of, of like, a, what is it, gender, the gender thing here <laughs> that's going on with, with Patty never getting to fulfill her, her life's purpose. Right, her life's purpose. Um, and, and also Grandma Susie, in a way, never got to fulfill her life's purpose. Um, and, and then Katie is like, she's got a chance, you know? And, and then what, what snags it, you know? It's, it's being a woman and, and her, her living out her sexual desires and being a sexual person and then being shamed for that. Um, and, and that essentially being her you know, stop in her, what's the word you just used? Um, I forgot purpose. the word I just purpose. used. Purpose. But, <laughs> but then, like, well, her, like, you know, it, that's not necessarily true for Katie because her purpose is going to go on and she's going to have the baby and she's going to live her life and, and fulfill her purpose but in a different way than she expected. Um, and there's a lot more opportunities for women with children now too, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, else to answer the question about shame. I think we all, we all have it, especially us Irish Catholics. Hmm. <laughs> 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 the 
This is radio, so you can't see the look that she's giving right now. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, so you are, are an actress. Yeah. And now you are a playwright. What, what made you make that switch to, to say, now I'm going to tell the stories? Oh my gosh, I think I just wanted to take some power back. Mm. You know, I was like, <laughs> you know, we have to create our own opportunities um, in this day and age, I feel like. And, uh, and I wanted to take the power back. I wanted to also, I just had to get this story out. I had to. It was like waiting to be written and... And then, of course, it's about my family, so I have a part for myself in it, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah. Great. Um, and I think we can wrap up. Sure, with our, our, our wrap-up question, which is, what did you have for breakfast today? I think it's a, it's a pretty uh, banal, white, Irish, Catholic kind of breakfast. Um, Toast with butter. <laughs> Hardcore. Coffee? And some cheese. And some cheese. Wow. And coffee. Mm. Yes. Coffee. Wow. Bare bones and to the point. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever um, works. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful play with us and with our audience, uh, both here and at home. Um, we'd like to also thank our cast just one more time. They were amazing. Uh, we would like to thank uh, Cloud City, of course, for letting us record in this beautiful space. Uh, we'd also like to thank our musical guest, Kristen Stokes. Um, oh, Our sorry. co director, Chelsea oh, yeah. Drummel. <laughs> Chelsea Drummel. 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 My bad. No good. Um, okay. Our playwright, Andrea Lynn Green. <laughs> our fearless Irish Catholic of the day. Um, and we'd like to thank our audience, because without you guys and your energy, our recordings don't sound as great as they do. So please give yourselves a round of applause. And uh, last but not least, we'd like to thank our listeners for subscribing and listening to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. And it's been a great night. It has been a great night, and we are going to leave you tonight with one more song from Kristen Stokes. Well, my friends are gone, my hair is gray. I ache in the places where I used to play, and I'm crazy for love. But I'm not coming on. I'm just paying my rent every day. To Hank Williams, how lonely does it get? Well, Hank Williams hasn't answered me yet, but I can hear him coughing, yeah, all night long. 